to episode 26 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 11th of December 2017. I'm Joe, and with me are Jesse. Howdy, partner. <laughs> Fail him. Oh, say can you see. <laughs> and I I, I got nothing. I've just been overwhelmed with Americanism. <laughs> I feel scared, but yet I want to buy stuff. I, I went to the uh, the big country, and I went to the big shop. I went to, oh, no, I've forgotten it. Oh, Best Buy, that everyone talks about all the fucking time. Ooh. So I've, I've now popped my Best Buy cherry. It could only be topped by going to Target, whatever that is. I can only imagine it's for guns or something. Yeah, I went, went to Target as well. Did you go to the big Asda, Walmart? No, I was I was uh, forsaken Walmart. I think we were eating on that day. All right, fair enough. Uh, right, well, so you are back with us, full house, lots to get on with. So let's start with a bit of news. And KDE has got a vision for the next three to four years. And Phelan, you are no doubt wetting your pants with excitement at this. I am. I, I really I really just can't contain myself. Well, no, I'm not going to be harsh on them now. So usability, privacy, and getting new devs in is the plan for the future all valid it's good that they're doing this now um keep momentum going i think they've had a really good version 5 release for the past year even two years at this point it's really going well and yeah you don't want to be complacent you want to try to keep pushing on and yeah i think they're not bad goals to have especially privacy but like these are the top three of a possible ten. I want to see. I want to see what the other seven were because, as you, as you maybe pointed to at the start, it, they're not exactly that exciting. Make basic software better. No one uses basic software. It's the boring stuff. Everyone installs the interesting stuff afterwards. Privacy software. All right. Fair enough. Tip my hat to that. And then bringing new developers on board. Uh, I was just hoping for something. You know, like really, really pushing it for the next three to four years. Yeah, well, but unlike other desktop environments, they um they can deliver stuff and uh, have good stuff. So I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> Am I the only person who despises the word onboarding? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> good. I've seen it a lot lately. It seems to be the the latest hot word in community. You can't talk though, because you use the term daily fucking driver. And the only thing that daily driver should be is if a somebody is stabbing you with a screwdriver. Do you not like buzzwords, then, Joe? I do not. Does nobody like having synergy across verticals? <laughs> <laughs> You've changed ever since you had that canonical meat. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, they opened the kimono on the world for me. People actually still say that. Well, like they implanted something in your brain. Um, so what what of this privacy business then? How are they going to make you more private? So there's a great quote on uh, one of the guys, Sebas's page, where it says, invisibility is a superpower. You know, everybody was posting things online all the time. So I guess they're trying to get into the fact that people need to be probably educated on this stuff, but you need to also give them the tools to be able to do that properly. And things like email, chat. I had a simple one that cropped up on me there even today where Joe had sent a link that was a script and it was obviously executable. I clicked on it to download it in Telegram and then it KD kicked in and said, I'm not going to run this because it's executable and it's a script and you shouldn't do that. And I was like, I've never fucking wanted you to run it. But yeah, thankfully it stepped in and didn't run it. But things like that, you know, it's uh, protecting people from their own stupidity, I guess, as well. So yes, yeah, so you've pointed out there like 
the, the very sort of uh, mundane bits of software that just run your um, executables all the way up to web browsers and online chat and the obvious ones. But I think the point is they're just trying to look at the whole gambit and say, we've got you know text editors that don't have that many issues with privacy all the way up to things that are online all the time and people put their private information into it. And just break, bringing that barrier, that hurdle down a little bit so that it's easier to have encrypted emails, it's easier to set up your own email server and things like that, just so that everyone's a little bit closer to being able to have their own privacy, which, you know, it makes sense. I think think it's a a solid goal for the next, you know, three to four years. Yeah, and they did have one of the things where they said, you know, there is a risk to this as well, where they try to, to work on these things to help get on new developers and stuff, and they actually end up wasting time if they don't get a return on it they did take the value that you can sort of do all of that and learn why you didn't get people on board. So maybe there's, even if it fails in certain aspects, it can still succeed by educating you. But uh, I did notice one funny thing there was the fact that they were considering LibrePay and Patreon, which is quite topical at the moment. So I guess it's good that they work all that out now. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll definitely get back to that later. Uh, Let's talk about TeamViewer and... I suppose, speaking of KDE, there's the transition. Uh, TeamViewer has got a native Linux port now using Qt, but it's proprietary bullshit, so why do I care? Because everybody uses it. If you work in any form of support role, you're going to end up touching it at some point, and I'm just happy that it's one less GTK thing I have to use. T. <laughs> well, because it was using Wine, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I didn't even realize that at the time. Um, so, uh, well done for uh, masking that one. So, yeah. it wasn't just Wine. You also had to have this unit, like you'd set up a systemd unit or sysv unit or whatever, to run the server parts of them through Wine as well. Ah, okay, yeah, if you wanted to have to listen incoming, but I, I, I've never actually used that, so I've only ever done the yes. opposite direction. So, yeah. so before, it was like absolutely no effort in supporting Linux at all. It was like literally the Windows executable and a bundled version of Wine. Now it actually supports Linux, which is very, very good. Why do we not have a free software version of this then that's popular? Well, there used to be one. Uh, it's actually name escapes me now, but it was it would help you by setting up a a reverse SSH connection to the client. But I mean, there you go. You've already made it complicated by even using that term in the name of it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe just Linux boxes work so well that there's no need. Yeah, but what about going out? Like, why isn't there a free software thing that's cross-platform that you can install on a Windows box? You can install on your Linux locally, and then connect out to them and solve their problems for it well there is guacamole or guacamole or however you pronounce that thing that's made from avocados there is a server you can install somewhere and do remote desktop onto their boxes but it's a bit of a faff to set it up but at least TeamViewer, you know agreed the proprietary stuff but at least they have um come in and they are eyes wide open to the fact that everyone's moving over to uh, wayland and so They've brought it out and it works on Wayland as long as you are outbound. But with all of the the ways that Wayland works and security and all those sorts of things, actually having it inbound, you have to still use X, I believe. So um, they're 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 saying that they're going to get there eventually, but they just need to work it out and it'll take a little bit longer. It just seems to me that this is the last thing you want to recommend to people to install on their machine if you're going to support them. 
this hunking great bit of proprietary software that can control the entire fucking system. It's the freedom to do it, Joe. I mean, I, th- I thought you were big <laughs> on this. <laughs> it's got the brand power. It's recognized. People have known TeamViewer for years. If they're coming over from Windows, they want TeamViewer. It's up there with the Paint Shop Pros, you know. They want TeamViewer on there. And now it'll actually work properly on Linux. So, yeah, it would be nice if we had a... Well, apparently they want to know what I think because they've just popped up a little box saying, tell us what you think. Uh No. Um it would be nice if we had like a proper alternative on Linux, but th- there isn't anything that really does everything that TeamViewer does to make it good for support. We just have remote desktop clients, and that's sort of the extent of it. And I think that's kind of the difference. There isn't anything that really does everything that TeamViewer does. I get very tired pressing print screen all the time when I'm trying to send a stream of JPEGs to somebody. Yeah, just 25 print screens a second, you yeah. know. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah, well, we've got X to go for like remote desktop stuff, but it's just not even the same thing, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's the support angle, isn't it? It's been able to connect to somebody else's system and guide them through what you're doing so they can see and you can tell them what to do and hand over the control. And IT people love that shit. It takes all the fun out of it, though. I like to be like on the phone to my parents. Left a bit, left a bit, up, 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 <laughs> click, click, click. What exactly does it say on the screen right now? There's a, there's a, there's a, the X there. Press the X. No, left click. <laughs> no, double click. Yeah, it, it takes the fun out of it anyway. Well, I don't really massively care about this. I suppose a lot of people will, so it's worth mentioning, but meh, just more proprietary bullshit. Um, speaking of which, so, uh, your former employer, Ike, Intel. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't worry, it wasn't your department, but so the, the management engine. You know that meme? I think it's from Zoolander, like something, something so hot right now. Uh-huh. Talking about the management engine is so hot right now. Everyone is talking about this Intel ME thing and the vulnerabilities, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, doesn't it? I bet if you can do a special whistle, you can actually control Ike. You know, it's like. <laughs> You leave my back door alone. <laughs> 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 oh, God, sorry. Edit that out. You're not going to because you're evil. Fine. Uh, moving on. Yeah, vulnerabilities. Lots of them. And it looked like, you know, oh, you only have to have this thing enabled. And it's, you know, you can't do it remotely. You have to have a special device you hook up to the board. And yeah, no, no. You can now do it if you look at the computer in a funny way. Um, <laughs> I wonder if all of this publicity is actually going to affect Intel in any way. Are they going to do anything about this? Because there's talk of these Dell machines that have got it disabled by default, um, but I've heard other people saying that it's you can kind of re-enable it if you know how to compromise the machines, certainly if you've got um, physical access to it. At, at what point do we say we don't want uh, this other operating system running on our hardware that we have no control of? And at what point do they start listening to that? Uh, well, the worst part I found was the fact that if you switch it off in the BIOS and the motherboard manufacturer says, yeah, we are pretty sure that's it switched off, there's no way to tell because it can't tell you at that level whether it's turned off or on or if they've just changed the password to something else or you know, you have to send it some slightly different handshake to get it to activate. Like You just don't know. You can understand how this info might have been knocked around in somebody's evil master plan for either a 
making you have to upgrade all your gear because if your motherboard manufacturer is not releasing an update for it, you're stuffed. Like my laptop is thankfully too out of date a generation of processor that it wasn't actually in it yet. So I really looked out on that because there'd be no, I haven't had a, a bias upgrade for my laptop, which was on the second gen XPSs. That hasn't been out since like 2013, near the end of the year. So I would have been totally stuffed and I would have to literally bin that machine because it would be totally useless to me. Yeah, because there's definitely no vulnerabilities in whatever the equivalent of the management engine in that is or anything. Well, I don't know if it has one, though. I'm sure it has something, but yeah, fair enough. What you don't know can definitely harm you still. But, uh, you know, I have to hope that maybe it was just too dumb a device at that stage or they had a better piece of software that they run. I mean, yeah, I mean, if ever there was a thing to say, screw the bloody... um, license that minix is under for unleashing this hell upon us all um yeah cheers for that andrew tannenbaum so what about this amd stuff i hear they uh, like to play with playstation portables <laughs> yeah yeah the psp <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean they have the same sort of thing um but there's a hint that they might be disabling it based on all of this news but i mean again is it disabled have they disabled it properly do they really know what they're doing with this thing? You know, has the guy who wrote this left ages ago and no one really knows how it works? You never know what only this thing, or have they been made to put it in for all the tinfoil hat wearing brigade? Like, I think it's kind of the latter. Um, people are starting to get BIOS updates, well, technically firmware updates that are giving them the option to actually turn it off now. But is it though? I, you know, it, it says it is, but like you say, you can't actually check and know unless you actually start tracing the hardware itself. You couldn't possibly know because, again, you can't see the code, which sort of goes back into your argument from last time, doesn't it? Yeah, and I've three XPS laptops here, right? Mine's too old, so it seems to be fine, according to their <laughs> check tool. My brother has one. His is not fine, and it's going to have an update in January, and my wife's is not fine, and it supposedly will have one in January too. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's two out of three that are buggered and they're new machines. But this to me speaks of a larger point that Paddy used to bang on about in Linux Luddites. And that is that this stuff is so esoteric now computers, even someone like Ike who runs a distro and knows how Linux works to a fairly deep level, even the kernel developers and hackers, they don't really have any real idea of what's going on at these really low levels and so few people do know what's going on that you you end up with a situation where it's just this proprietary stuff running at such a low level that we have no idea what it's doing and there was a time when computing in the sort of 70s and 80s people could actually potentially solder new things on and unsolder them and understand what all the capacitors and stuff did if you were a bit of an egghead whereas now Virtually no one on this planet could look at an Intel processor or an AMD processor or generally an x86 chipset and know what the fuck was going on with it. Yeah, I mean, ring zero should be the bottom. Worst case, there's a bottom beneath it for a v, you know, for a virtual machine that you're actually in control of. But you should have a physical way of not using this if you want to. Like the old HP boxes used to have an ILO port. If you didn't want to use it, you just didn't plug it in and you were, you were protected from that. But I mean, yeah, you're right. Even the firmware on your hard drive can be 
taking control of now, you know, if you want to take the nefarious side of things to it. And you can't stop it. Like, you're, you're kind of stuffed at that level, so... It's funny you mentioned the hard drive because I was thinking about that. You know, you've been saying that it's terrible. The processors have this, and the processors can see what's going on. But obviously, if someone's put something in the hard drive, that could just be looking at all the ones and noughts going to and from, checking to see what's what's going past, and sending stuff back up the networks. So, you know, there's every major component in your PC has a tiny brain, and that tiny brain can do something else. But if you take like, if think of a car analogy. Cars are similar. Like nowadays, a lot of people don't bother man, you know, um, maintaining their cars because they've got computers and all these sorts of things. But those computers in those cars are able to get the sorts of miles per gallon that we have to get in order to make everyone allowed to have a car and not pollute the planet. They they are the things that allow you to have smart lights and smart um, windscreen wipers. You know, the things that are very useful and safety critical. How quickly they can react when an airbag has to go off, things like that. So. The, the processing power of the chip, I wouldn't be surprised, is would be impacted if you start taking all these micro things away because they were going to be relying on uh, sub-processes or, or ways of streamlining and, you know, uh, threading the different cores and things like this. I think, yes, there's probably a case, to, well, there's obviously there's a case to be said about trying to not have these things, but I don't think you can just step back to a dumb processor because as in it only has a core that does what the kernel tells it to do, because we probably will miss out on a whole load of the advances that we've become used to. If you could just open the thing up, there's a good, uh, there was a good article in LWN where they talk about replacing the um, management engine using Go and a Linux kernel instead. So, I mean, maybe they just need to stop being so protective of some of the features of these things i can understand the likes of nvidia wants that driver to be so locked up but you know it doesn't seem to be doing amd too much harm nor intel and they're even joining forces to fight against that so maybe a general sort of openness is what we really need can't see it happening unfortunately no probably not but you know you can dream i mean it'd be nice if it did because you say about people not knowing what's gone down in the hardware i mean we've all got a pretty good idea you know we all know that our ssds and our hard drives have very large caches now we all know pretty much every part of the hardware has some form of out of band communication that isn't monitorable from any operating system you start to put two and two together you get really fucking concerned really quickly and over the last few years you know there's there's no point having tinfoil hats anymore because that's the world we live in. You know, you don't need a tinfoil hat because, you know, we can't trust our systems anymore. Don't worry, though, Ike, don't worry. Almost everything is SSL now, so that makes it totally fine. HTTPS to the rescue. According to some spurious maths. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was uh, an excellent segue by me there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i once heard you say you should never point out a segue I know. let alone praise yourself for it that's some mighty no. fine trumpet blowing there yeah. <laughs> trumpet i make the best segues okay they are tremendous so uh 66 of page loads are now https uh rising 20 percent from 46 percent on january the first of this year uh, and that's something that let's encrypt have tweeted out so it's working is the bottom line, which I suppose is good. I mean, it is good, well, whatever way you look at it. it. Even if you don't know who you're talking to, at least you know only they know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wildcard certs are coming the end of February next year. 
Come on now, Ooh. that was your criteria for being brilliant. Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I will support the Let's Encrypt if I have to. I just like the fact that the script just does its job, unless it forgets to restart the web server, in which case you then get a timeout anyway, and you go, why the fuck is that thing not updating? Oh, it has been. You don't need the scripts anymore. There's new modules to do it for you now. There is? Oh, yeah. The module like, automatically sets everything up for you with Let's Encrypt. Like, you just like A2N mod it, or if you're using Nginx, whatever, I don't care. But yeah, it don't have to do the whole script route anymore. Oh, so that's right. Nice. <laughs> that yeah, I'm like kind that. of tempted by now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you see? Laziness wins. <laughs> I like to type the certificate out myself. <laughs> yeah. IDRSA.pub. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's move on. And so Red Hat and Facebook and Google and IBM have all got together and pretty much done what the kernel contributors did before with, uh, this time it's called a Common Core Rights Commitment. And it pretty much says, if you're in violation of our GPL v2 software, we will not sue you straight away. We'll make sure that we give you the opportunity to come into compliance and release your source code and we'll all be lovey-dovey, and we won't see you. And so let's keep using the GPL, everyone. Yay! Rather than proper free licenses like we talked about last time. Incorrectly. <laughs> Opinions. Yeah, we've man. got a lot of feedback about that. About how right I was, I know. That's good. Some people saying you were right, some people saying that the others were right. and Others saying that I didn't explain why I didn't like GPL3, even though I explained about 20 minutes doing so explain exactly yeah. why i didn't like it but this is cool right the the, the good part of gpl3 on existing gpl2 stuff so everyone's going to be happy yeah i hadn't realized that this was already in gpl v3 this um allowance that if we warn you you get a certain amount of time or an, an acceptable amount of time to try and put it right um i didn't realize that was in gpl v3 and all they're doing is reversing it onto two so that the people who use it all the time can throw it out there as well. But, you know, as, as you guys pointed out on the last show, it's a, a sensible use of... Uh, was the last show or was I on it? I, I forget already. But, um, you know, it's, it's a sensible clause to put in there so we're not just bashing people with sticks as soon as they accidentally use code they shouldn't have done. Do you think is this is going to work then? Are we going to get to a situation where companies are less scared of the GPL? I mean, they've got some of the biggest players involved now, so... <laughs> It's kind of setting a trend in the industry more than anything. Like it's getting, I think it's more about getting others to fall in line with it, so that everyone's playing from the same book. It's Red Hat, Google, and IBM. Like you don't want to be playing against their rules effectively. So I think everyone will fall into line now. Yeah, but I do have to wonder how much sort of uh, Google, Facebook, and IBM are uh, like. Is this just a bit of lip service? rather than actually like, oh, we're going to move all our stuff over to the GPL now that we've got this one little caveat in there. It does, you know, I, I know they're doing the right thing and you can't say any, you can't ask for any more than that, but it seems like a very easy thing to do to get a good publicity win. He's so negative. Yeah, don't be so cynical. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's from hanging around all those Trumpians too much, isn't it, really? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, too much time in Trumpistan. Um <laughs> Um, all right, well, uh, let's finish off the news with Mozilla and Yahoo news. So who could have possibly seen this coming? Well, not you, Joe. Definitely not you. <laughs> I have been talking about this 
since before this show existed about how Marissa Mayer was responsible for signing a deal with Mozilla that amounted to a billion dollars or more for Yahoo being the default search in Firefox in America and I think some other places like Canada. Um, and having a clause in that deal that said if Yahoo gets sold and Mozilla doesn't like the company or entity who buys them, they can just pull the plug and get all the money regardless and go back to having Google. Well, they pulled the plug, went back to Google, as we know, with the quantum release. And now Yahoo Holdings and Oath, the, the company that is basically Yahoo now, have said, oh, that's not right, and sued them. And so Mozilla has countersued by the looks of things. It's all a little bit um, opaque at the moment because it's all legal bullshit. but who could have possibly seen this coming and i really hope that yahoo or oath whatever loses this and mozilla gets to keep the money because whoever did that deal at mozilla deserves a pat on the back man <laughs> yeah definitely um because when you first told me about this i'd said that is not true because that makes no sense but apparently it was true <laughs> maybe bit of a random thing because we're talking about Mozilla and you know which links into Firefox again and I, apparently I was negative about it slightly in the past um I'm now using Firefox Yay. well done how is this not in the news docket because <laughs> <laughs> I've just remembered <laughs> what made you make the switch um just a culmination of things you know the what I was saying earlier about the whole tinfoil hat thing it's sort of trying grab back ownership of my life my data that sort of thing if you could see me now the tears <laughs> the tears are real um i've even got by the way i've even got like a kde vm on this system as well <laughs> failing let me just stop you here right so what was a more proud moment when your son first walked or right now <laughs> oh right now obviously <laughs> never mind the child <laughs> But yeah, it's it now has the special place of be so I have two laptops. One of them is basically my workstation, has like external monitor, keyboard, and everything like that. So it's, it's effectively the soldiers' work machine. Then I have my personal laptop, which is like, um, well, it's my personal laptop, really. Um, well, for porn and that. No, no, like for Netflix and stuff. So that goes on on the oh, yeah, chair, yeah, like yeah. nighttime. Boom, put a bit of Netflix on. So that's only running Firefox. It's not even installed Chrome on that laptop. Like it did a fresh install and Jeez. just using Firefox on it. I know I'm using Netflix and that's bad, but it is Firefox. Well, no, I mean, you can't legally watch the things you want to watch any other way. So it's better right. you do it legally and that's fine. And I'm kind of liking it a little bit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> do you find yourself using it on the workstation then? I'm getting there. I am getting there. Um, it, it's getting out of Chrome because... It is stupid because it's like, why do I use Chrome? The The main reason is I wouldn't be able to get into half the websites without it because it remembers all the details. But then you remember, it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> it has all my details. Yep. It owns me. And then that, that in itself is sort of the argument for not using Chrome, isn't it? In a nutshell. But surely Firefox remembers details. Yeah, but um, it would be using... Um, so if I was stuck in Firefox... Uh, without Firefox Sync or anything, it would be using like uh, 
uh, gnome keyring daemon, right? Yeah, yeah, it never leaves your box if you don't want it to. Right, but if you do it on Chrome, you're logged into it, and that's stored with Google. Yeah, it's definitely sending it up. Okay, it's probably hashed and sorted and whatever. Right, but Google has that stuff. It has my logins, it knows my websites, it knows my usernames, you know. Whereas on the laptop, it's like, my laptop knows it. Whereas, Phelim, you're using Firefox Sync because you trust them, but that's a choice that you've made. You've yeah. actively chosen to do that. Yeah, absolutely, because I trust their sync service more than my fat-fingered attempt to use it in some sort of horrible local storage that I sync around the place badly. Um, funnily enough, one thing just about the search engines switching back to Google, I don't know if you have noticed it, but very sly... Um, if you go to the open new tab page in the new Firefox, um, it displays like a couple of boxes of the sites that you've been at recently, whatever. And you just search in the ser- in the bar along the top. I don't know what they call it now, address bar or whatever. Omnibar, I think. Yeah. The amount of times it goes, oh, things have changed. Do you want us to default everything back safely to Google? And it's like, uh, no, <laughs> fucking right, right off there. Um, and there's actually a notice. If you go to startpage.com, as a, as a notice saying, oh, you're using Firefox Quantum, be careful because they're like aggressively trying to force you back onto Google search. Well, I was worried you were going to say DuckDuckGo for a second there, but well done for you. Oh, fuck that. off. <laughs> Fucking bollocks that is. I'm sure it's lovely, but it is the, the reasons for using it are all lies. If you're based in the States, you're under yeah. Pfizer car. So I wonder what they're going to do with all this money. They are already splashing it around, doing loads of ridiculous shit. But if they lose this, then it's not looking good for them because that is a lot of revenue that they were depending on by the looks of things, by the way they are splashing the cash. But um, I, I can't see them losing somehow. If if that contract was written properly, then Yahoo are pissing in the wind trying to get out of it. Yeah, they should probably just use it to buy Bitcoin immediately and make a, a windfall <laughs> next year <laughs> a win and a loss <laughs> all right so this episode of late night linux is sponsored by entroware entroware.com and they are a dedicated linux computer seller based here in the uk and they sell computers with ubuntu and ubuntu mate 1604 and 1710 and recently they've updated their apollo which is the kind of little 13 inch ultrabook and now it's got the eighth generation Intel processors. I can't even remember what um, what that's called. It's something Lake, probably. Um, and it's looking really nice. I'm so tempted by it. If I had a bit more money, I would definitely be interested in buying that. But they've got all sorts of different laptops from fairly basic, affordable stuff all the way through to real powerhouses via that really nice-looking Ultrabook. And the more expensive ones have got the latest NVIDIA chips, uh, which are ideal for graphic design and 3d art and video editing and machine learning that sort of thing and they also do some desktops and servers and most things are configurable even this little ultrabook you can change the processor you can change the ram and the storage so you can really get a machine to suit your needs and budget and they ship to the united kingdom republic of ireland france germany italy and spain And if you do buy one of their machines, there's an option at checkout to tell them where you heard about them. So do mention Late Night Linux there, and they'll know we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. It sounds like you've already sold yourself on that laptop, so uh, don't forget to use that later when you completely fold. (laughs) Yeah, I will do, yeah. Okay, so on to a bit of admin then. 
Um, first of all, thank you everyone for supporting us on PayPal and Patreon and, and that sort of thing. It is very much appreciated. We'll get back to that in a bit. But in the meantime, uh, there's a few little things here. So, Ike, you have been on the Ubuntu podcast. Yeah. Was that fun? Yeah. <laughs> How come you managed to get out of like hosting the second show? Like, if normally if you go on their podcast, they record two back to back, and you're kind of a guest on one, and then you have to like host it and read all the feedback and everything. They didn't trust them to not curse within the a lot of period of time. Ah, that suddenly explains it. Th- that was never mentioned to me, so I'm guessing that was never on the cards. <laughs> Popey was sitting there with a massive big red bleeper button. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> No, I just got himself one of those um, woodpecker things and just had a sound. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they invited me on, got to talk about snaps. Um, and Linux Steam integration as well. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the only reason why you'd have me on an Ubuntu podcast, something yeah. that would be available for Ubuntu. But yeah, I had to speak about that. Guys had me on. It was fun. They were very, very nice. I noticed that it went over as well. It was like a 40-minute episode where it's normally 30 minutes because you just won't shut up yeah that's that yeah yeah (laughs) basically well we'll have a link to that anyway so if you want to check him out then uh yeah check out ubuntupodcast.org oh i forgot to say uh if you want to join the people supporting us on paypal and patreon then go to latenightlinux.com slash support and if you want to get in contact latenightlinux.com slash contact there's uh various ways to do that uh quick nexus 9 update Loads of people got in contact and said, do this, do that, and do that, and then you can have it not encrypted anymore, and it'll run really fast. Well, I tried them all, and none of them worked because I'm too much of a fuckwit. So please, I'm reiterating this call. I need like proper step-by-step idiot-proof instructions of how to do this, not just... You know, because I do know about custom ROMs. I know about ADB and and Fastboot and flashing things, and... I just could not get it to work no matter what I tried with custom kernels and all sorts. So uh, I want proper modern uh, lineage OS, ideally, with encryption disabled and OTAs working and not breaking that fact that it's not encrypted anymore. So if anyone wants to talk me through it, um, even like on Mumble or something, that would be cool because I want my tablet back. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to reflash Lineage and just accept that it's slow and shit. Maybe you could use TeamViewer. <laughs> yeah, good idea. Uh, yeah, we also got an email in from uh, Holger Pino, which uh, I thought was very interesting. And it was talking about Lineage OS for MicroG. And so MicroG was in the distant dusty backs of my memory but i've, I've refreshed myself and it's the um free is in freedom re-implementation of google's proprietary android user space and libraries uh, and so you can basically get the sort of the google goodness like location services um and and the basic apps uh um, uploading bits and bobs without it actually using the google services and there's been a fork of uh, lineage to allow you an unofficial lineage for which point out um that uses the micro g google apps implementation so that is uh it's good news for people who like to have some of the sort of benefits of google like location services i was pointing out without it actually going through the google services so there's there's one for people who might be interested well i actually flashed this a few weeks ago maybe a couple of months ago when it first came out and i didn't have enough to talk about to talk about it on the show really 
I just don't know enough about it. I, I either use just totally Googleless like Phelim and F-Droid or Flash OpenG apps Pico and don't really care. So it's kind of in that middle ground where if you're going to use proprietary applications, then there's not really any point having this micro G thing. You may as well just use proper uh, Google Play mm, services and that sort, sort of thing. Of, yeah, well, see, here's a, here's a funny one, right? This was never around when I got into using F-Droid and stuff, so I've kind of grown to the point where I actually don't use anything that requires it, but there's actually one app that does, and it's not in F-Droid and it annoys me no end because it's actually K-Stars, the KD uh, astronomy app, because you know it's handy to actually look up at the sky and go, what in God's name is that thing? Are we all going to die tomorrow? And uh, be able to look it up in a star map app. And you couldn't get the sky map Google one at all. Although there is one in F-Droid now, which is somebody's hacked it. Yeah, because that is, that's an Apache license, isn't it? The uh, sky map, I think, the Google one. Yeah, but somebody hacked it so it didn't need all the bolt-in stuff. Um, and I, it, it seems to work now for whatever reason. I think there was a time when you, you couldn't get it to work. Um, but it is now. But K-Stars uses the Google app stuff. So technically, I guess they could get that to work with Micro-G and maybe they can actually use a KDE piece of software on F-Droid, which it isn't in at the moment. You can only get it in Play Store. So um, yeah, maybe maybe I will use it in the, in the long run. Well, I don't understand your point, Joe. Like surely uh, if you don't want Firefox to be sending, sorry, if you don't want to use Chrome because it sends all the stuff to Google and you're saying you either go all in on uh, F-Droid or all-in on Google, doesn't this Micro-G give you all the benefits of the Google-type apps and the thing, you know, the non-Google ones, like Phelim's pointing out, without having to have all the Google stuff going to Google? Like, surely it's like... Sorry to say like so many times, it's an American thing. Um, it's like coming back from... It's the best of both worlds. It's, like, totally awesome. Exactly. Yeah, well, I suppose you you make a good point that... I shouldn't be all in with it and I should probably try this more and sideload all the proprietary apps that I need, like the Google stuff. But um, it's just so easy with OpenJAPS Pico. It just gives you the Play Store and everything that you need. But I should probably care more about freedom. Somehow with mobile devices, you just accept that there's less freedom there. And that's a pretty bad state of affairs. And that's why people are trying to do things like the Librem 5 and stuff. But um, Yes. Anyway, all right. So I promised that we would return to this Patreon thing. Now, it cannot have escaped many people's attention that Patreon has made some changes this week. And changes for the worse, as far as most people are concerned. Ike, you pretty much depend for a living on Patreon. So you probably know most about this. My understanding is they've changed it so that instead of if you want to support something like Solus for $1 a month, it costing you $1 and Solus swallowing some fees, it now costs you $1.35 to do that. And Solus uh, pays slightly less to Patreon as a result. So that's got to be good, right? Uh, yeah, you might want to tell that to, I think, the 25 patrons we've lost already. Uh, I mean, to be fair, some people have been supportive of this. You know, like for a lot of people... They're giving what they can to the project already, right? And it's the same for so many projects out there. They're giving exactly what they can. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, 
well, actually, we're going to charge you a different amount and the project's not going to get what you agreed to give it in the first place. And a lot of people really aren't happy about that. For a lot of people, they, they can't give more than they're already given. So they're having to adjust it or completely remove it because everyone is viewing this as Patreon looking to make more money out of everyone. Now, they, they've said they're not, but that is the net result. Hang on, 35% though. I mean, okay, is that below a certain threshold? Like if you paid 100 euros, would you still have to pay 35 euros in fees? No, no, it's it's 35 cents per transaction, basically. So if you're only paying a dollar, ah, it's 35. Okay. But if you're paying 100, then it's pissing the ocean. Right. The problem being that many of the people who are using Patreon to support um, creators are in at the one or two dollar pledge you know that that's the most common one so if suddenly you're if you've got a dollar across 20 different things that you want to support and suddenly you've got 20 times 35 cents on top of that yeah if 20 dollars is your limit you're suddenly paying like you say 35 cent more so it it suddenly adds up i feel because you know well people who give that amount want to spread it out so that everyone gets a little bit and if you're able to give 50 dollars for whatever it is you're funding then yeah 35 cents is hardly uh, dropping the ocean, isn't it? And so, if all those ones and twos start dropping out, like Ike's pointing out, like lots of people online have pointed out, that's where a large amount of the total funding goes. I mean, it is the patrons themselves, like the people who are trying to support all of these projects, and like I say, all these creators. It's it's them who are suffering most. Obviously, the creators, yes, they are suffering as well, and a lot of them are losing patrons. They're losing funding to the projects. But the, the one that impacts the most is, is the person trying to help the projects in the first place. They've, they're effectively doing these things, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, like out of the goodness of the heart, right? But invariably people want to see things back out of this. But there's, there's so many people. Everything I, I see on Twitter right now is well-established creators are suddenly worried and looking to switch platform. And they're uncertain about the future and projects they could have done they, they can't do anymore. Trivial stuff. So it's a, it's a bit of a time of panic in the open source creative world. Well, if you look at Reddit, it's everyone saying, this is an outrage. Let's all move to LibrePay. Yeah, which, but Reddit. <laughs> but if you look at LibrePay, it's like, well, it's pretty much the same fee structure. Okay, the back end is all open source and everything. Whoop-de-doo. That is good, but it's not going to solve this problem. The, the problem that we have is that all these people, this podcast included, are relying on a third-party service to process payments, to be a middleman between all the people out there who want to support us and us who want to be supported. Because it's too difficult to roll your own system, although some podcast networks and presumably other projects have done so and made their own thing where it involves putting a credit card in and maybe using Stripe or whatever. But again, you're still using the third-party service. There's, there's virtually no other way to receive funds without uh, a middleman being involved. Even cryptocurrencies, people could be screaming, oh, what about Bitcoin? What about Bitcoin? Well, you still have to pay transaction fees, although potentially not if you're willing to wait a long time for the payment to go through. But is that the answer? Is is the answer staring us in the face? Do we not just all move to Bitcoin or some similar um cryptocurrency and that solves the problem then we don't have to deal with bullshit like patreon and them pulling the rug out from under us look just because you've got a pico coin or whatever you have at this point <laughs> and you're trying to up <laughs> the uh the influence and make some more cash out of us <laughs> i don't know but not as bitcoin is a bad example because 
that is now being treated like gold and they call it mining for a reason people want to sort of hang on to that because it's going up massively in value and i'm going to predict in a couple of weeks probably that it's going to go up another 10 times in the next year but there are other cryptocurrencies that are being used to actually trade stuff and, and being used as a currency and and maybe that's the way but i suppose at the end of the day I can't pay my rent with Bitcoin, can I? There are a few places where yeah. you can, maybe, in like fucking San Francisco or whatever, but that I need to cash that out at some point into real world dollars or euros or pounds. And so you're always going to be relying on that third party service, unless people literally come around my flat and stick bundles of tenors in my pocket. It was resting in your mattress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Patreon also has the the massive advantage that it's the it's the one stop shop. You know, everyone has a Patreon account. The podcast everyone listens to accept Patreon. It's it's just oh thank God there's one easy way of doing this. I don't have to f around with you know PayPal payments or set up recurrence, whatever. It's just done easy. And now, I f- the problem is is they've they've you know they're going to start sending people away and they're going to scatter to things like. Uh, Libre Pay or setting up their own one or podcasts are going to start accepting Bitcoin and before you know it you're, you've got like a whole range of things and it's just a ball ache when you know it, that's not going to help the creators because they want one known way of doing it. What we need is centralization. that's always a good thing Sometimes it is, it's, it's the network <laughs> effect isn't it? If everyone's on it it does well because everyone's able to give and take, that's why Visa works and that's why Bitcoin doesn't so, Ike, you are uh, running a Linux distro that is relying on Patreon. Mm. What are you going to do about this? Let's see what works best for the people actually contributing to the project. You know, if, if it's too harming for them and they feel like they can't or won't contribute, then we'll look at another option. But obviously, you want to hear from them. And even for Elena Linux, if people want to put in the comments, like what they're using and if they've had to stop doing Patreon, because guys like me want to know well i want to know as well definitely exactly right so that's definitely one for the comment section for the next couple of weeks like what are the alternatives is it really that bad yeah it kind of is but mostly for the people contributing because for us creating we're gonna have to get in line with whatever the users are comfortable and happiest doing that's story as old as time itself LateNightLinux.com slash contact. There's various ways to do it. Either leave a comment on this or there's comments on YouTube or tweet us or whatever. Like I am very interested to know if you have stopped and a few people have stopped. We don't have as many as you, Ike. Um, so it's like all relatively lower, but there are still a significant number of people who have stopped supporting us and they were almost all at the $1 or $2 level. And so I'm asking you people, you probably are still listening, so what what do you think like do, would you prefer to use paypal would you prefer to use LibrePay? because i've made no fucking bones about it i hate my job i want to do this for a living i want to do a load of new shows i've got ideas for new shows i want to scale back my work but without some money coming in that's going to be impossible and if patreon are just going to fuck everyone over then what am I supposed to do? That was part of my plan was to try and build up Patreon and somehow have some perks. And I still don't know how to do that because I don't believe in paywalls and stuff. Um, but is the answer to simply just go for more advertising, which at the moment we've been sponsored by Entryware for a long time and they're really cool dudes and everything. It's not bringing in masses of money. 
and at least it is relevant at least it is linux hardware it's totally relevant but like we could be shilling mattresses and stuff relatively easily you and your fucking mattress <laughs> king what the fuck well, is no, that? that's the thing like listen to most podcasts and like you know mattresses squarespace all of that shit i have never heard fucking mattresses being advertised mattresses and razors yeah razors and shit like that like there's a lot of startups that are interested Maybe if you listen to Duvet Weekly, they keep going on about that type of shit. But I mean, you must just sake. skip the Hollywood Babylon ones immediately. It's never been on the Hollywood Babylon. The fucking Dave School is always on it. <laughs> in which case, I keep picturing somebody sitting in front of Dave TV channel all day watching reruns of Top Gear going, what the fuck's that meant to teach you? Power. This is back when they used petrol. But anyway, like they uh, probably shouldn't, we shouldn't have said all this, or I shouldn't have said all that, like laying out the truth, but in the sort of open source freedom, whatever, like it, that, that's the fucking truth of it. Listener. If I'm going to do this and do more shows, then I need to get more money coming in from it. And Patreon was part of that plan. And now I'm seriously thinking, fuck him. So I just, I don't know. I want, I want to hear, and Ike definitely wants to hear from the audience because he's already made that jump. Haven't you? <laughs> so you're like, you don't, well, I suppose you could always go back to uh, being a wage slave if you wanted to. Don't worry, Jack Conte Painting Pencils is has heard the creators and patrons, so he he's on it. Apparently he's making a statement this week, according to Twitter. Yeah, there is going to be a statement coming. Uh, some sort of clarification. Basically, in his own words, they fucked up the rollout. So there is more to be heard yet. Yeah, but saying that you fucked up the rollout is like saying that you fucked up the marketing of it. Like That's not saying that you fucked up the idea of it. And there are a lot of people who think it was a shit idea. So I can't see him rolling it back, but what do I know? We'll have to see. But um, uh, so, yeah, do let us know, everyone. Um, Ike needs to go at the shop and it's getting on. I need to get editing this and go to bed. Uh, so do get in contact with us. Um, we'll be back in two weeks for our Christmas special, our end of year holiday, whatever you want to call it, special, where we'll be probably looking back at what's happened over the last year. It's, that means that it's almost been a year that we've been doing the show, which is... Um... Ooh. And just one last clarifying statement before we all go. Nobody blames anyone for not wanting to support on Patreon anymore. This is totally about what's happening to the users. And obviously that does affect the creators, but that's what we're trying to find out from the users. What is best from your perspective? What helps you to support and how can we help you in that way? So Yeah, I totally agree with that. The thing is, I've always said, that not everyone is in a financial position to support us. And these new Patreon fees have pushed some people over the edge where they can no longer afford to do it. And I totally understand that. But clearly you want to, or at least you wanted to support us or the thing that you were supporting. And so th that is the big question. What is it going to take? What's, what's the way forward? What do we, what's the consensus on what we all do about this? With that in mind, yeah, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks when we'll be doing our end of year wrap up and we might uh, follow up on this Patreon situation. But until then, then I've been Joe. Goodbye, all y'all. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> that was just all kinds of wrong. <laughs>